Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. Today, we will be talking about the romantic comedy Down With Love from 2003, starring Renee Zellweger, Ewan McGregor, Sarah Paulson, David Hyde Pierce, and Tony Randall. And with me virtually is my good friend, Hannah. Hello, hello. So the reason we're doing this movie today is because a listener actually wrote in and recommended it. Uh, Shout out to Nicole Loftus from Florida. Thanks for writing in if you're listening. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really interesting movie. I have thoughts. Yes, me too. I've never heard of this movie, so it it was good to watch it for the first time. Yeah, Um, for sure. So the movie is set in New York in 1962 and follows Barbara Novak, played by Renee Zellweger, who has just written a book for women called Down With Love, which basically tells women that being single is okay and that you can fill the male void with chocolate. While promoting her book, she makes enemies with cutthroat womanizer journalist Catcher Block, played by Ewan McGregor. Catcher, however, wants to ruin Barbara's career by proving that she needs a man in her life, and since they've never actually technically met, he pretends to be a soft-spoken single guy from Texas. However, his plan goes wrong when he finds himself falling for Barbara. If this sounds familiar, it's probably because some of you listeners out there have watched the 1959 film Pillow Talk, starring Doris Day and Rock Hudson. Down With Love is basically a satire spoof of Doris Day's classic screwball comedies, and there are references to many of her films throughout this movie. So, Hannah, what do we think of Peyton Reed's movie Down With Love? Oh boy, where do I start? I think (laughs) immediately, like as soon as the movie really got started, I was like, ah yes, this is 2003 doing 1960s through the lens of 1960s Hollywood. I understand what's happening here. (laughs) There's there's a lot of layers happening. Um, And like, I had a fun time with it. It's not often that like rom-coms are... I, this feels bad to say. It's not often that rom I find rom-coms actually funny. Like, I feel like sometimes a lot of the jokes can be very, um, uh, not self-explanatory, but, like, they aren't delivered great, and they feel kind of put in there to make it fit the rom-com sort of vibe. But I didn't find that with this one at all. Like, I was genuinely laughing at a couple points during this movie, and... <laughs> That's partially down to the to the cast. This cast is remarkably stacked. It, it, oh my I don't God. understand. I don't understand how it got so stacked. Um, but it's, I'm especially a big fan of David Hyde Pierce, so I'm glad to see him in anything. Um, no, I thought it was it was definitely interesting in the way that they chose to like spoof and like play off of those like 1960s movie tropes. Like I'm thinking specifically the, some of the more ridiculous costumes and uh, the very large apartment that Barbara just gets handed to her when she lands in New York um, and stuff like that. But also I think it was really interesting to like, see that how between the 1960s and like 2003 when the movie was made um there was still a lot of feeling around like feminism being sort of all men are bad tm um which is not something i personally agree with in terms of feminism so it was interesting to see how like even in 2003 they felt that they could expand upon that a little bit but still not like but still not get to where feminism has a more nuanced understanding mm. 
like today. So it, it's, it, it was very clever in that regard. Yeah, you know, I I have to say it was entertaining to say the least. Um, it, it was it, it was like enthralled with it the whole way through. And like you said, the part that really got me was the absolute fabulous witty dialogue. Like a lot of the times in the more modern like rom-coms, it's very kind of sappy and you're like swooning. But this wasn't really swooning. This was like slapstick. They each had a really good... Um, quick, witty dialogue, and it was very entertaining to see. And, um, yeah, I just want to talk about the opening there for a second. And then the other thing that dates it totally is Michael Bublé doing the the song Down With Love (laughs) when he did his, like, movie career songs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) During those opening credits, I I started to hear... Uh, I, I was listening to the song and I was having a good time with it. And then I was like, wait a second, is that Michael Bublé? What are you doing here? So yeah. that was a fun, that was a fun little moment of, hey! Shout out to local talent. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I didn't know you're, I, I, no, first I wanted to say what you talked about with the feminist, because there was still this whole idea of, of in order to be a feminist, um, you can't like men or, or have a man in your life. So I thought this did a really good job of um, talking about that, but but making it light and fun. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for me, it really it it, it kept striking me whenever like Sarah Paulson's character and Barbara were just like, "Ugh, men are the worst. We can't wait to have a workplace that's only women and stuff like that." And like. Yes, okay, that's great, but also, you can't, but I realize that this is a movie, and it's a spoof of 1960s movies, where, you know, they had sort of like an, a, a rose-colored lens over everything, but not all of your problems can just be boiled down to men are the worst, TM. Yeah. Um, I that, that really sort of kept getting on my nerves a little bit. I was like, okay, there are bigger things at stake here, and you can't just, like, blame everything on men being bad, because not all men are bad. Look at poor Peter, for example. This boy is trying so freaking hard. Yeah, it's... It's Barbara's fault that she's picking the worst guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe try and find somebody who, I don't know, is easily recognizable without glasses. Like, yeah. I realize we're going for a Clark Kent effect here, but it's it's terribly... Like, I was so surprised that she didn't put the pieces together. Um, well, she... Spoilers, she already Before had. Before the twist, like, she, this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like... When before that point, before that twist, I was like, I was, I was sitting there like, how did you not put it together when you're, when Casher's accent, Texas accent slipped and yeah. he said, and he like spoke in his like usual accent, which is just Ewan McGregor speaking. How, and you've like talked to Catcher Block over the phone like a gazillion times at this point. How did you not put that together? Yeah. I know, I know, because I thought, um, like, we'll talk about the twist later, but before that twist, I thought, oh, wow, they're really just, um, so I actually watched Pillow Talk before I watched this movie just to, like, get an idea of the tone, and I thought, wow, they're really just copying this movie, but I like that with the twist, the woman had the upper hand, um, whereas in the old movies, the women always were the ones that were, um, like, tricked. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's. It was a really interesting spin to to put on it and like show that Barbara was like three steps ahead of Catcher at every turn. Um, it I I think it could have been. I think if they were gonna try and make this movie now, they wouldn't get away with this. They wouldn't get away with no. a, a lot of what's in this movie, uh, just because people's opinions have changed and it's people's tastes have changed. Um, but for 2003, I mean, it's, it's, it's done well enough in a spoof way that, but also it's like changed enough to make it an original thing instead of just copying Mm -hmm. the, the original, the original film that, it's executed very well. And again, part of that comes down to the great writing of that and the really great delivery from Renee Zellweger. Oh, she was great in this. Oh my gosh. She just, she was perfect. Even the way she walked, it, she was just brilliant. And, yeah, she and, looked like she stepped straight out of the 60s. Oh yeah, and, and like the costumes were ridiculous, but they were so good. She pulled them off. Sarah Paulson did too. Um, yeah, and and just the four of them. I would never think of those four in a movie together, but it really worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The levels of camp in this movie, I cannot begin to explain. Like it is so. Just that is the only word I can think to describe it as is camp. It's very over the top. It's very extra. Um, not only in its costumes, but in its dialogue and in its its sets, especially. And again, I'm referring to this freaking apartment that Barbara just gets handed, and she says, "Oh, it's adorable." Like, no, honey, this is a multi million dollar apartment that you just got dropped into your lap. Yeah. Yeah, I know. She she was very spoiled, um, but. Yeah, I was thinking, though, when I was watching it, don't you think another great title for this movie would have been, like, Done With Love instead of Down? <laughs> Down With Love? I mean, yeah, I could I could kind of see it being a little, a little bit better as, like, Done With Love. It just feels like it rolls a little bit better, but also, like, they wanted to obviously, like, play off of the song. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, and they, and, you know, it's, 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 it is sort of like a rallying cry is how I'd put it. Um, it does sort of sit in that rally cry space of, uh, you could, I could hear, like, I can, I can hear people chanting that, for example. Um, and then it works too with the end when, when, uh, when she publishes her next book, uh, as like, sort of like a follow-up sequel. Um, I yeah. I don't know. I've down down with love to me immediately gave me like is this going to be in Australia? Like I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, that's so true. But um yeah, when I went into this I was like I thought wow, this movie's really cheesy, but but you know, it was it's a great introduction to those early rom-coms because what's great about it is it's making fun of those early rom-coms but also pulling it off extremely well and and what's nice about like when Doris Day was a young star was that she always had a career and in the end she always had to give up the career for the guy but it was nice to always have like a single independent woman having a career 
and and I don't think we appreciate that as much as we do now because in so uh, in many rom-coms now that women are always single living alone but in that time it was like very risque and rare so I really liked how Renee Zellweger kind of continued that independence in this film yeah yeah me too and it was really interesting to see her sort of like take on that independence um one of the big things that I noticed sort of in that vein was how, oh gosh, what is it? Um, <clears throat> like, oh yes, it's when, um, it's when Sarah Paulson's characters like says like, uh, I'm going to tell the boss man that he needs to start treating me like all of the other male editors yeah. or I'm going to quit. And then, you know, she gets fired. Um, but I think it was really interesting that, like, Barbara Novak, for all her faults, was a very inspiring figure for a lot of women, just like how um, women uh, like Doris Day in her roles were inspiring for women at that time. I've, I've seen very... I'm ashamed to say I've seen very few films from this era of, that they're spoofing. Um, the closest one I can possibly think of in this moment is, like... Either gentlemen prefer blondes or mm. Roman Holiday. Those are the two that are immediately coming to mind. And I loved when I watched Roman Holiday. I thought it was excellent. Um, and so uh, some of those like tropes that we are now familiar with are in Roman Holiday. Are gentlemen prefer blondes and are now like obviously more noticeable and are spoofed in Down with Love. Um, so it's really interesting how they carried some of those tropes through of like this outspoken young woman and this not necessarily a curmudgeon man, but a man who's, like, very much the opposite of her and then how they end up getting together. And it's still, it's still story, a story that we are very interested in today. Oh, yeah. The opposites attract thing. Totally. Um, I really liked, and we'll probably talk about this because I always found this really funny, but the split-screen telephone calls, I thought those were hilarious. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and especially, like, especially where they, like, switch the camera around, so, like, um, uh, uh, uh Catcher, that, why was I thinking his name was Chip, because it's Zip later, uh, but ca when Catcher was, like, doing push-ups, oh like, on top, and then, like, she would think, I was like, this is a lot, the sexual innuendos in this movie are a lot, and obviously, like, movies in the 60s were not no. this risque with their dialogue and they weren't so blatant with it which is which makes this work because you know it's a spoof um but i was still like oh my gosh like this there's a lot yeah. of innuendo happening in this yeah. movie i love that they went a step farther than those doris day movies but they they still kept it clean where we don't actually see the sex but it was so great how they put it yeah. in and made it still really sexy with the phone calls yeah, yeah, it's the tension, right? It's it's the tension of it, and they're like, oh, what's uh, what's happening? Oh, okay, they're just like they're just looking at a telescope. <laughs> like that was one where I was really like, whoa, 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 you you, this better not take the turn I think it's gonna take right now. Hold that on. Graphing must have been so difficult though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But like one of the one of the bits that got me was like I I really loved like I, I've said before I really loved Sarah Paulson and David Hyde Pierce in this I thought they were so good and 
this the like bit that got me especially was like when they're sitting down to dinner and it's like towards the climax of the movie and David Hyde Pierce is like I need to tell you something and Sarah Paulson leans over and is like it's it's are you a homosexual? And and then I googled it because uh, I knew Sarah Paulson was gay, but David Hyde Pierce is also gay. Yes. gay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, this is a layer, layer funny that I did not know I needed today. I lost my mind. I thought it was so funny. Especially in the end when they're saying like, are we getting married? Yes. Okay. We're getting married. And they like talk on top of each other. I don't know if you saw the credit part, but I did. Really, I watched, yeah, yeah. I watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought oh that was, my God. Um, it's interesting because, um, in real life, Rock Hudson was a homosexual as well, but sadly he was not allowed to due to Hollywood's awful restraints at that time, wasn't allowed to come out. So he was forced the, to marry these women and, and put into these awful situations but in Pillow Talk, he actually says a line where he's like, you know, um, what do you think? I'm a homosexual. Or they don't even use the term homosexual, like one of those. And I thought, yeah. oh, how humiliating for him to have to do that when he's mm. like obviously trying to be on the cover of every magazine shirtless and appeal to women. But then I thought it was interesting how they're kind of making David Hyde Pierce do this in, in this movie. But he does it so well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean... I hate to say that David Hyde Pierce had had so much practice at this point, but he had! <laughs> um, and that's that's the name of the game, especially when you're an actor at that time, when it was still um, like not widely accepted being part of the LGBT community. So that, that little nod to both of them being queer, I really appreciate it, and I thought yeah. was very, not only very well done, but just like, was funny. It was just, like, a little in-joke for people who knew, and then for audiences later who could quickly Google while they were watching the movie. Yeah. Well, I sometimes forget, like, that Sarah Paulson was in movies this early on. Like, I, I kind of see her now as, like, a very modern uh, woman in our current, like, entertainment mm -hmm. business, but I forget that she was in, in these movies and, and other things. I want to watch her, because she's a great comedic actress, too. Oh, she's hilarious. She's so good. And it makes me, like, I, I wish she'd go back to doing comedy a little bit more. I know, like, now she's most known for, uh, like, American Horror Story. But that is not my bag. That is not my no. bag at all. No. And she's so funny. And I realize that, like, she's had some comedic moments on American Horror Story and some other stuff she's done. But she's really not gone back to a comedy... Well, I guess not specifically in this vein, but, like, comedy in general. I feel like she's never really gone back to it since, uh, since, like, the early 2000s. So it'd be really interesting to see her go back to it. I would, I think she'd do a great job with, like, a more contemporary comedic film. Yeah, I do, too. She's really great in this, and she hasn't really aged either, so... No. <laughs> she, yeah. Um, but I grew up with, uh, like, my mom and I, we never watched, like... Friends or, or Seinfeld or anything, but we always watched Frasier, so I've always kind of grown up with David Hyde Pierce, and he's always been, like, one of my personal favorite TV actors, so seeing him in a movie and how great he could hold up that, that character, I was really impressed. Yeah, I mean, I most know David Hyde Pierce, um... Uh, from a, a, a musical uh, called Spamalot, which is a like musical version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh. And um, 
he's he was in the original Broadway cast with like Tim Curry and Sarah Ramirez. Um and he does a fabulous job in that show. Oh my goodness, bootlegs exist. I recommend everybody go and watch it because it's so funny. Um, but he has a number in the second act because he plays Sir Robin who like gets lost in the woods and he has his band of minstrels. And uh, he runs into um, uh, King Arthur and Patsy who have been told by the knights who say knee that they need to put on a Broadway musical. Um, and David Hyde Pierce is like, well... See, here's the thing. We can't possibly do this because we are in medieval England and everybody knows that you can't succeed on Broadway if you don't have any Jews. And that is like a whole like seven minute number (laughs) about how like the only reason shows succeed on Broadway is because there are Jewish people involved. And like, obviously the song is a little bit dated now. uh, And it is in that Monty Python style of like poking fun, but not meaning to offend. Um, and there are some, definitely some stuff in there that could probably be changed a little bit for contemporary audiences, and I'm sure modern shows, modern productions of it have, but he does an incredible job throughout that entire number. Like, I am talking, this man is tapping. This man does the bottle (laughs) dance from Fiddler on the Roof. This man plays piano on stage. He, it is a seven minute marathon with a lot of really complex lyrics. So that's where I most knew him from. And Spamalot came on Broadway two years after Down With Love came out. It came out in 2005. Um, so this, so that was like the next thing he did after Down With Love. So, um, yeah, that's where I most know him from. And of course, I I know him again from his theater career. He was in the most recent revival of Hello Dolly as Horace Vandergelder, the like Hi. you know crotchety old man. Um, and and Hello Dolly is a special show for me for many reasons. Um, but I most know him from uh, uh, the, that Tony's year, especially because Hello Dolly did not do a full-scale number at the Tonys, even though they were one of two musicals that year uh, in the running for Best Revival, because of some technical reason. So instead of doing a big classic number, like Before the Parade Passes By, Don't Rain on My Parade, uh, not, not Don't Rain on My Parade, that's Funny Girl, what am I saying? Uh, put on, <laughs> like, Put On Your Sunday Clothes, like one of those big production numbers, even Hello Dolly itself, the song, um, they had David Hyde Pierce get up on stage by himself at Radio City in costume and sing this, like, cut, this, like, previously cut from the film Horace Vandegelder number called Penny in My Pocket (laughs) about, like, how Horace Vandegelder made his fortune, and that was it. That was their Tony's (laughs) number that year. And I remember being so, like, Horace... David Hyde was still great, and he did a fabulous job with it, but I remember being so disappointed that Hello Dolly didn't pull out more stops just because they couldn't, because Radio City wasn't the right stage configuration. Ah. I was so mad. Anyway, that's a long tangent about my love for David Hyde Pierce. Hopefully you can, like, see him live one day, or we can all go see him live one day on Broadway, because I would love that. Oh, God, that'd be the dream. I have no idea what he's up to now, if he has any projects lined up. Yeah. But, uh, no, that would... He's such a good performer, no matter in what context. Like, theater, you know him from TV, and now film, we've seen him in, too. Yeah. He's, he's an incredible performer. And, yes, does he have one type of character? Uh, yes. But yes. does he do that type <laughs> of character extremely well? Yes. Yes. 
He's typecast, but he's in a good typecast situation. Because <laughs> he yeah. does it well. Um, uh, yeah, so we didn't talk about him yet, but um, Tony Randall, who's only in about two scenes of this, I think this was his last um, film before he passed. But um, basically, David Hyde Pierce's character, I can't remember his character's name, was the Tony Randall character in all the Doris Day Rock Hudson movies. So... By watching Pillow Talk first, I thought David Pierce did an even amazing job of bringing his own spin on it, but also being the perfect, like, sidekick Tony Randall character. And I also thought it was really cool that Tony Randall wanted to be in this movie, because I thought Doris Day was alive at this time. I was curious, like, if she's just passed a couple years ago, if, if she would have liked this movie, or if she was offered to, like, be in, like, one scene of it or something, because I thought it was really cool that Tony Randall was in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the, the, the office big wigs, like initially done as a joke and the, like the initials joke was very good. Uh, that was one of the first moments where I really fell in love with the movie. Um, <laughs> especially with him being TB and she said, Oh, is it serious? No, no. He's the one who runs the company. What are you yeah. talking about? I thought that was great. I thought it was a really well-executed joke. It went on for just long enough that it didn't feel like it went on for too long. Um, but that's really interesting. I I wish I had the answer about um, if Doris Day like, would have been in this movie. I have, I, I have a funny feeling that there's a reason she is not. I have yeah. a funny feeling that like they, they, they probably asked her, and she said no. They, yeah. <laughs> they, that's, that's, that's probably because, you know, maybe she was retired at that point. Maybe she just, like, wasn't interested. She thought it was stupid. Uh, there could be a myriad of reasons. But the fact that they got Tony Randall in to, like, uh, to do a cameo, that was that was really special, I think. To, like, as a nod to the work that he had done in, the, in those movies and in the movies that he is now actively being a part of a spoof of. Yeah. No, I thought that was so cool. So actually, I just looked it up, but she, she's been retired since 1973, Doris Day, so that's probably why. <laughs> yes, they were probably like, you know what, it's better not to ask. <laughs> um, but I was just looking at, quickly, if this was actually Tony Randall's last movie. And oh, it was the second to last. He did one more, um, but it came okay. out after he died. So while he was working up, he died at... 84, so, like, good for him. <laughs> good job, Tony Randall. Good job. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen the movie. I haven't yet, but I thought it was interesting how um, there's, like, a TV... Um, there's, like, people watching the TV with their TV dinners and Judy Garland singing Down With Love on the TV screen, and I just yes. thought it was interesting because Renee eventually does um, Judy. play Judy Garland. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? I haven't seen Judy. I remember it getting a lot of praise when it came out, especially from, like, the musical theater community, who uh, Judy Garland is so, like, intrinsically tied to for so many reasons. Um, mm -hmm. But I haven't seen it yet. But I remember when I was, like, watching it, I was like, there's no way that's, like, actually Judy Garland singing this. But then I, like, watched closer, and I was like, wow, that is actually a recording of Judy yeah. Garland singing this song wow okay because like i 
haven't actively sought out any of Judy Garland, like, beyond, like, Meet Me in St. Louis. I think that's, like, the latest I've seen (laughs) of her career. So it was interesting to, like, I still recognized her on screen. I was still like, yeah, that's Judy Garland, not just because she was singing, but, like, I knew her face. But also I was like, wow, she... She has not changed. She she still kind of looks like that cute little Dorothy that we all initially fell in love with. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen anything actually past, I think you're right, maybe in St. Louis either. Um, I've just seen her in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, maybe it's, I think I saw her in one with Gene Kelly, but it was like around the same time as Wizard of yeah, Oz. Yeah, so yeah, not it was- much. Oh, what was the other one I saw? It's where it's where it's the one where she sings, uh, uh, "Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. We're gonna oh. chase all your cares away." That's the only other oh, one I yeah. like recognized her from. Um, and even then, I've not seen the whole of Meet Me in St. Louis. I remember it was like on TCM, and we had it on at Christmas time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like caught the like last two scenes, which is just so happens to be where she sings Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, And, like, I saw the last scene and I had no idea what was happening in the movie. I wasn't paying attention to it. So maybe maybe I need to go back and watch, actually watch Meet Me in St. Louis, because I feel like I'll love it. Uh, I I feel like it'd be hard not to. But, yeah, the Judy Garland cameo was really interesting to me from, like, a cultural moment, because, I mean... When, when did Ju- Judy Garland died? I feel like in the 60s, in 70s? Six, uh, I think she died in 69. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But she looked like yeah. she was 70. She's like only yeah. like 45 or something. <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. do drugs. <laughs> Don't do drugs, everybody. That's the, that is the main takeaway from this movie, from this episode. Don't do drugs. Don't be like Judy Garland. Um... <laughs> Well, actually, I was thinking while I was watching this movie how everybody had this huge... And I'm not a huge Renee Zellweger follower. I I haven't seen tons of her movies. But everyone, you know, knows her from the Bridget Jones movies. And and this movie was only made two years after Bridget Jones. And and she's, like, you know, very muscular in this movie. She's, she's like, very thin. and, 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 like, I mean, she's thin in Bridget Jones' diaries. That's like Hollywood fat to Hollywood. But I, what I thought was interesting was how back, like, I don't know, was it four or five years ago? Everybody was making a fuss about how she had changed her appearance and, you know, not didn't look like the Bridget Jones girl anymore. Obviously, she's not going to look like that because it was like 20 years ago. But also, she didn't look like that Bridget Jones character two years after Bridget Jones came out. Just a thought. Yeah, and, like, not only was she in, like, Down With Love, which came out in 2003, but the literal year before Down With Love came out, she was in the Chicago, Chicago. movie. Yeah. She, so, she, she's such a chameleon in that way. She's, she's able to, like, manipulate her appearance where people are like, wow, I can't believe it's her. Like, we saw it with Judy, we saw it here, we've seen it with Bridget Jones, we've seen it with Chicago. So it's 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 really interesting to think about, like, look at the timeline of her projects and, like, watch her her appearance. Like, she really... I don't, I don't know if it's, like, committing to the bit necessarily in terms of appearance, but with each movie, you, there's a distinct look that she has, which is really interesting to sort of track as you go through. Yeah. Yeah, and she's one of those actresses where 
I think she wants to be known for the character she's playing, not always be, oh, like, she's never been the one, like, with star and lights, like, like, um, I'm trying to think of somebody famous right now, but nobody's coming to mind, like, George Clooney, you know, like, she's never been one of those, yeah. those people, so it's, it's, it's nice to see that she really gets into her character, almost like method acting, because she actually looks like the character, too. Yes, yeah, for sure. And again, the Chicago adaptation, not one I've seen. Do I need to get on that? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. I um, should watch it too. I've never <laughs> seen it either. I think it's with uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like, I, and I mean, I know the cell block tango scene because it's so famous. Um, but like, that, that's about it. But anyway, long story short, um, she, she's got such an interesting varied resume and the fact that she's done so much like music work through these films is really interesting because you have d uh, the little number she does with Ewan McGregor in uh, in Down With Love and you have her doing Chicago which is a really intense movie musical it's it's not an easy show by any means and I can imagine it's not necessarily easy on film either um, and then having to become Judy Garland is a whole other can of worms so Oh my god, the it's, pressure. It's, <laughs> oh god, I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine. Um, but it's, it is worth noting that, like, Ewan McGregor, also an incredibly good singer, like, you get a little bit of a taste of it here, um, but just two years before this, um, Ewan McGregor was in Moulin Rouge, yeah. which I've seen, and it's incredible, and he absolutely kills it in Moulin Rouge. He's so good. And so... I give give Ewan McGregor more movie musical roles, please. I would love to see this man sing more. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a great actor. He's so diverse too, kind of like hers, where where they're not like celebrities. They're famous for their movies, but they're not like super like blockbuster films. And I like that. I usually go for more underrated actors like them or David Hyde Hyde Pierce or Sarah Paulson than the ones with their names all in lights all the time. Yeah. No, and like, Ian McGregor, has he had a couple of stumbles over the past few years with some of his uh, project choices? Read as <laughs> Birds of Prey and Christopher Robin? Yes. Is he exactly a big box office draw? No. But when he gets it right, he gets it right. And I would love to see him do like more music-based roles because I think he would be really good in them and I'd, I'd i'd love to see him take on not necessarily more stuff like moulin rouge because moulin rouge is its own entity at this point but some just something where he gets a chance to like show that part of his range again and he's such a dynamic actor even in this like switching between his personas i remember when i was watching it i was like it's really interesting that they're having him speak in his like irish scottish yeah accent as catch instead of doing an american accent it's really interesting i wonder why they're doing that and maybe ian mcgregor just didn't want to do it but then as we got further on and he like took on the uh, the mantle of zip martin um i was like ah that's why they're not having him do an american accent because he does one in the movie as a different character quote yeah. unquote ah I thought that was really cool that they let him have his his Irish accent too, or sorry, his Scottish accent. 
because um, it's 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 nice to have it natural, not always this fake. Like I see movies where Lily James always has to, you know, have a have an American accent, and I kind of like it better when they're just using their own their own accent. And he does a way better Texas accent than Rock Hudson, who was American. So <laughs> yeah, it's very distinctive. His accent is so distinctive. Um, which again, I'm like, before the twist at the end, I was like, how have you not put this together, Renee Zellweger? Come yeah. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, should we talk so about dis- the- should we talk it's, about it's, this? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's no. It's okay. Let's let's talk about this twist. I'm I'm spoilers the for those monologue. of you who haven't watched this movie. Spoilers. Yeah, go, yes. Pause it and then go watch the movie and then come back. <laughs> yeah, the monologue was amazing. It was so long. Holy! I I like how it was just like it basically just like pure sustained shot on Renee Zellweger on Barbara explaining everything and how she was three steps ahead of uh, of catch the entire time um I really like how it was so focused on her though I wish or maybe I missed it because I had like looked away briefly I wish it had just like flicked back to catch's face for just a second yes. just so we could see how gobsmacked this man was yeah we never see his face through this whole like the time when she's explaining herself and and i also wondered um because i thought from the beginning that her and sarah paulson were friends for a long time did she not know who that barbara novak wasn't barbara novak no i don't think she did because it said that like it said that you know oh it's so nice to put a face to the name right at the beginning of the movie uh, it's so it's so nice okay. to meet it's so nice to meet you in person. Oh, okay, that was my bad. All right, I thought they were friends longer. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly act like they're friends longer. Yeah, they certainly do. But it's just really, it. I will never be over how fast that friendship is, and just like handing. I I keep going back to this apartment. I can't handle it. Uh, anyway, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, like the. The, the reveal is very clever, and especially, and I, I could tell they were, like, you know, really playing into a, like, more 2003 angle there than a, like, 1960s angle, but the fact that it, as soon as she finished, um, she was like, I figured I'd tell you all this information before your private eye calls, and then the private eye that Catch had yeah. hired calls, and it's like, I got nothing, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's so well executed and and I didn't expect it I didn't think that there would be a twist at all I didn't either I was like wow this like last hour of the movie passed really fast there was like no conflict in this movie and I was like wait a second there's the conflict yeah that reminds me because when I was watching like from the beginning before um her and Catcher even get into the their relationship I thought wow every time there's a problem it gets resolved really easily like from the beginning they're uh, she wants to get her book promoted, and then Sarah Paulson's like, "Why don't we get it on the Ed Sullivan show?" And it's like, "Wow, they they got over that." And hill. they, miracul- like they, they, they miraculously <laughs> managed to get it on the Ed Sullivan show. Got her on the Ed Sullivan show, and I thought, "Wow, is every conflict in this movie going to be like super easy?" But then it stops being that way, and it's just it's just really well done. How how um this this big twist like I don't think people will see it coming when they watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very smart movie in that way of, like, subtly building up the conflict so that when that climax moment does happen, you're able to really 
pull back those couple of layers and bring the audience back in in a in a more 2003 sensibility than like a 1960 sensibility yeah yeah because then it would just be like oh you're just kind of doing another kind of 50s soda pop 60s movie so i'm glad that mm-hmm. they 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 did it that way and and uh, although she did kind of change for a guy, in the end she did become pretty independent while doing the. Even though she changed her whole appearance, which I was, I was like, oh, I don't always like when movies do that, but um, it worked with this one. Yeah, it definitely does. Um. Yeah, I also wanted to say just with the clever dialogue near the end when when he loses the girl and and he's going to get the promotion or not the promotion he's going to to the interview to get a job and she's again two steps ahead of him as always because she always knows what he's gonna do but I love the dialogue um first of all the idea that her his magazine was called no magazine with a k and then her new magazine company was now now magazine thought that was very clever without the k I was (laughs) I had to write down the dialogue because I thought it was so funny when he says Besides, I've been on top for so long, I thought I'd try a new position. And then she replies with, you could be comfortable in a position under a woman. Like, the dialogue is just so great. It's it was and they delivered incredibly it so good. well. <laughs> yes, yeah. The 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 eye the eye sex between Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger in this movie is so intense. I cannot. I cannot state how intense it is. Um, but what I especially... The, 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 like, last stinger of the movie when they're, like, in the elevator um, and they're, like, finally, like, together. Um, the music keeps, like, swelling and they keep interrupting each other to, like, talk and, like, keep exchanging witty banter. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. This is way... This is too much for me. Like, I, I was loving it. Don't get me wrong, but I was just like... Oh my god, just like stop talking for two seconds, a pair of you. Yeah, oh no. my god. And is like counting to five to see if she'll chase after him, like his cliche. Oh, well, see, that was that was sweet though, when he like did the full count and yeah. he like turned around. I thought that was really clever plotting because like that was from quite early in the movie. Yeah. Um, so there was very clever breadcrumbs there to, to bring that back. And the look of disappointment on his face when he turned around and she wasn't there, I was like, oh, no, I feel bad for Catcher. No! Yeah, me too. And just the fact with his name is, like, he's a catch. Like, Catcher, like, it's uh, so good. What a, what a 60s name. Not unlike Rock Hudson. Oh, my God. That name. <laughs> <laughs> As we knew from, like, watching... You watched Hollywood, right? You kind of see a bit yes, of his life yeah. in that, which is interesting. Yeah. Ugh, I'm, I miss Hollywood. I missed Last summer, we ate so good with Ryan Murphy content between season two of The Politician and Pos- Hollywood. Ugh, it was delicious. Are they making... Or is it just... Was it just a limited series, um, Hollywood? Hollywood was just a limited series, yeah. unfortunately. Okay. I know, I know. I need to go. I want to go back and rewatch it because I miss it so much. I also thought it was really interesting, just the whole how they kept going with the the chocolate um, metaphor. The chocolate she, bit. Oh kind of like my god! She need chocolate. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I love chocolate as much as the next person. And I will, like that one, like, receptionist said, like, I will blame Milton Hershey till the cows come yeah. home. 
but <laughs> I I do appreciate that like the brand like the book had its own like chocolate branding. I thought that was very clever. I don't know why they hadn't done that sooner. Yeah, I know. I, I I thought that was that was really cool, and and just the idea of of and obviously they didn't show this in this nineteen sixties rom coms, but the idea that a woman can kind of have those same feelings as a guy and not have to be in a relationship to want to just, you know, have sex for a night. Like, I thought that was really great that they showed that, too, that she doesn't always have to get attached like they always say women do. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was a great thing, because even in 2003, that wasn't really being shown too often, at least not yeah. in movies. Yeah, no, like, I think it was, that was very contemporary for, for them to show, both in, like, a movie set in the 60s being done in a very sort of 60s style, um, but also in a movie being made in 2003 and sort of reiterating that because um, we're just coming out of the, like the 1990s and second wave feminism is sort of starting to die down at that point. Um, it's really it's really interesting to, to have that sort of very defiant, like, I want to be treated like a man when it comes to sex in that... I don't want to be shamed for just mm -hmm. wanting to have, like, no strings attached sex for a night when men do it all the time. But if yeah. I have sex, I'm, I'm expected to settle down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool that they that they did that. Um, and should we talk about the, the final, like, the number at the end where the credits are? If you watch this movie, watch till, the, like, the end of the credits because there's yeah. this great, like, musical number because there isn't any musical numbers really... Um, during the movie, I'd say, I guess, In right? the movie, yeah, no, yeah. there's no real musical numbers except for, like, the Judy Garland cameo, which, again, yeah. amazing. Um, but the, um, yeah, that last musical number, again, like, so good. And, like, Renee Zellweger, no, uh, Renee Zellweger and both Ewan McGregor, uh, are, sound great. They, they're such good singers, and, I mean, Ewan McGregor had just come off of, um, off of Moulin Rouge, where he had to sing so much, all the time. Every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and same with Renee, Renee Zellweger, like, just having come off of Chicago. Um, so the fact that, like, they both came off these big movie musical numbers and that um, production was like, yeah, we'll give you guys one, one musical number over the credits to really just ham it up was uh was really really great i thought it was really fun and really uh, like a nice little button to put on the end of the movie yeah, I know. I, and I thought it was a great kind of like homage to those old, not that they really sang together, Doris Day and Rock Hudson, but, but I, I, I like that because they don't do that in movies much anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I ha oh, sorry. Um, I no, it's okay. I just, just quickly <laughs> say how cool it was that at the beginning of the movie, they had like that old fashioned cinemascope um thing uh, like a slogan and they had that in La La Land and I just always think that's really cool when the old musicals had that and then they do that in like more modern musicals yeah it's there is nothing that Hollywood loves more than than making sure that it is acknowledged in its films. Yes. The, uh, which I could say in, which I could say in looter terms, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but there, there is nothing Hollywood that loves more. So the fact that they like, it's, it's not only because of that, that they do that. It's also a way to like honor the, the, what movies were and paying homage to it in that way. I think it's, yeah. I think it's a, it's a nice little detail for cinephiles. 
Yeah, I think so too. So I have some um, fun facts here. There aren't too many though. I thought there would be like some really cool ones with casting what ifs, but I couldn't find anything on who could have been, you know, Renee Zellweger, Barbara Novak, or Catcher Block. There was nothing like that. But um, the budget for this movie was $35 million, and it just made under $40 million at the box office, 39.5. So it wasn't too much. Money. Ooh, that's a slim profit. That is a yeah. slim profit. I know, but, and I, I mean, would love I, if I was like not three in two thousand three, and I was like maybe like twelve <laughs> or something. I would have gone to this movie. 13? I don't think my parents would have let me go to see this movie. <laughs> I, I don't think I think they would have like heard all the innuendo. They would have been like, okay, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> Okay, if I was 16 then, maybe. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, then, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very shocked at how, uh, yeah, slim, slim pickings there with the, where was everyone in 2003 not going to the movies? Um, uh, no, they were definitely going to the movies. They were just not seeing not, Down With Love, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously we know that this was a, this was an homage to the 1950s, 60s comedies, particularly Pillow Talks, so we already know that. Um, but actually, Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor made a second film together um, where called Beatrix Potter, where she plays Beatrix Potter. Oh, like the Peter Rabbit author? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've like heard about that one like through the grapevine, but I've not actually sought it out. I might have to now, because I really love them together. Their chemistry is really great. Yeah, so I definitely want to see them in another film together. Um, everything... All four of the characters wore, um, all the clothes were custom made for them. That does not surprise me. No. That, how, with how extravagant these costumes are, especially, especially, especially Renee Zellweger's final costume in this movie with that hat. I was like, why are you wearing this hat? Why are you continuing to wear this hat? And obviously there is a reason why she's gone and dyed her hair. Yeah. Um for yeah, oh some, my god, that hat. <laughs> for some, like, shoddy explained reason. But, like, I'm so unsurprised that these costumes were custom made, especially Renee Zellweger's costumes. Like, they were all so good. Oh, yeah. It, they were really... She pulled it off, too. Not everyone can pull off the period period piece of things. And she can 60s, do, like... Yeah. 60s is an especially hard period to pull off with all the patterns and the and the weird uh, the weird like shape of stuff like the hair. Renee Zellweger the hair yeah <laughs> Renee Zellweger pulls it off as well as Anya Taylor Joy in the Queen's Gambit yeah. which is a hard feat. Yeah, yeah, they were both really good with um, getting into that era with their clothes. Um, so the the long monologue that we talked about it actually lasted. Three minutes and two seconds, and it was an unbroken shot that Renee only needed six takes to get right. So, wow, she's really good. Only six takes. Oh, boy. that's I, I would have flubbed that so many times. <laughs> I, w I would really like to see a blooper reel, specifically because there's that one shot of um Ewan McGregor like he has like this like this girl's like beret on the front of his pants and he like tosses it and it lands on the statue's head I would like a blooper reel but only of how many takes it took to get yes. that hat to land on that bust because it was seamless and I was like they did not get that on the first take this is like take no. 50 yeah 
Um, so Tony Randall was also in these these old movies with Doris Day and Rockets, and he wasn't just in Pillow Talk, but also Lover Come Back from 1961 and Send Me No Flowers from 1964, and he always played the sidekick like David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, it, it, it sort of gives an insight as to how formulaic movies could be in the 60s when they were just mm-hmm. focused on churning out content as opposed to, like, making a film, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that's not surprising. But, like, I mean, the, the, the sidekick is one of the most reliable tropes in film. So, I mean, you're bound to get work off it regardless. And get work he did. Yes, and always the guy that, you know, has anxiety or struggles to get the girl, and then there's always the the charming guy that, like, makes, like, you and McGregor's character. Yeah. They do that a lot, too. Um, they yeah. actually, a lot of Renee Zellweger's costumes um, were from the Montreal company Le Chateau, so that's cool. They used a Canadian company oh, for clothes. The <laughs> Le Chateau, you mean the company that's currently going very bankrupt? Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm just, I feel like every time there's there's one in the mall near my house, and every time I walk past, I feel like they have a new like clearance sale. They're really just trying to get rid of stock. Oh, I know, and and we have one here in the downtown uh, area of Vancouver, and it and it's always there's always a for sale, uh, not for sale sign, uh, like a sale um, on clothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just looking. If there's any more any more juicy facts, I was really hoping that there would be like some cool ones with um, casting what ifs, but uh, yeah, doesn't seem like seems like they were all right for the part because I can't imagine like someone like Reese Witherspoon or you know Julia Roberts. Now being I this did character. I did think I did think one of those secretaries was Reese Witherspoon yes. for a hot second. Yeah, that the blonde, blonde one, one from the start. I thought she was Reese Witherspoon. I had to like double triple check the cast list because I was so sure it was Reese Witherspoon. Um, but she she would have probably been doing or at least would have done legally blonde by this point. Yeah. So she was she was a little too big for for town with yeah. love, I think. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was her too, but then I thought, well, this is 2 years after she wouldn't be doing a, 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 a tiny little part like that. Um but yeah, it would have yeah. been interesting if, if but yeah, I think they were all perfect for their perfect for their roles. So yeah, I can't find any more facts, so I guess that's it. <laughs> Nothing juicy yeah. for this movie. No no juicy affairs like in The Sound of Music when Christina and I found out that Christopher Plummer and, and Liesl Charmin Carr, that the oldest daughter, had a bit of a fling. <laughs> oh, God! I don't want to think about that. I do not need to think about that. That is not an image I needed in my head before I eat dinner. <laughs> so should we move to the, the final judgment? I think it's time. <laughs> so did uh, Down With Love move you or not? I think it did. You know, I had fun with it, clearly. Like, I, I I, have to harp on it a little bit because there are some parts that don't age particularly well, specifically in that, like, montage when the book is being sold around the world. Oof. Oh, Oof. my God. There's, there is one, like, one to two bits in there that really did not age well. Um, but it is extremely well done from a craft point, and it's just, it's just a fun movie, and you can just turn your brain off and just, like, watch it and enjoy it and not have to think about it too hard, which is really nice sometimes. Yeah, to not have this complicated movie to watch. And, and, and yeah, this movie did, it did move me. 
I wish I had seen this movie like earlier in COVID to distract myself because I think that would have been a great movie that people could have talked about during COVID because it's For just sure. a nice era and it's it's bright colors and great cast and funny dialogue so so witty and and everyone's so perfect for their parts so it's, it would have been a great distraction but that's okay this is a great kind of like okay. summerish movie too because it's it's not dark um and yeah Renee it's Zellweger's very bright it's very bright and breezy and yes. like it feels like it feels like a very fruity smoothie that's what yes. I would pitch this <laughs> yeah. as yeah everyone's super yummy it's very comedic um, and yeah, it's just an enjoyable movie. It's not too long. Uh, they have great chemistry together. So I hope we've convinced you to check out Dan's Love. And I want to thank Nicole. Thank you for the recommendation. And if you want to yeah. be cool like her and uh, send in some movie suggestions or some limited series that you think we should do, uh, email me Emma at emmareviewsmovies at gmail.com. I'll put it in the in the caption and you can get mentioned in our show like Nicole. Yeah. Thanks Nicole. <laughs> yeah. I never heard of this movie, so I'm glad I know about it now. And uh, yeah. I thank you Hannah for coming back to do this movie. Oh, I had a blast. <laughs> and yeah, I want to thank you all for listening and don't forget to click the subscribe button.